0: Let's start, um, George, let's start at the very beginning of your journey. Uh, where are you from? Where were you born, raised? What kind of background?
1: Well, thank you. Uh, so I was born on, on Long Island, and the uh, funny thing is I really found my way into technology by accident. So I would say like a lot of other people, my first job was um, a referral from my family. Uh, you know, so my father sent me on an interview and, you know, I got a job working for a, an anal- analytical laboratory in, of all places, Teaneck, New Jersey. And, uh, I learned a lot working for that company. I had the opportunity to work closely with the president of that company. And, um, he really took a liking to me and gave me a lot of opportunities. And one of those opportunities, uh, was in computing so he approached me one day and said i would like you to implement word processes for the office and you know i kind of looked around the room and i said well there's nobody else in the room with me here so i guess he's talking to me and i said to him uh his name was andre and i said andre i said uh, you know i don't know anything about computers or word processing right And he said yeah i know you'll figure it out and i said okay that's good enough for me and, um, you know, as a result of that, I, I went to IBM, um, I went to a bunch of classes at IBM and, uh, dug into their technology, implemented word processes for him. And from there, I went on to do a number of accounting systems and fell into, uh, 70 hours a week of programming. So that was kind of my, uh, my entree, my accidental entree to, uh, technology.
0: And what time frame are we talking, George?
1: Hmm. Uh, Longer ago than I care to admit, but uh, early 80s.
0: Early 80s. Well, the reason I (laughs) need that uh, is to figure out what's happening in the broader world and where is the industry in its evolution to be able to, you know, understand the story better.
1: Yeah, thank you. So um, It's been, sorry.
0: Yeah, please go ahead.
1: No, all I, was, uh, all I was going to add in there is that uh, being in the industry for as long as I've been, um, I see the same trends over and over again. So um, what I see as, or, or what a lot of people see as new technology, I really just see as evolution. Yeah. Um, so it, it gives you an interesting perspective on a lot of the things that are happening out there. Well,
0: I, I mean, there's, there is evolution and then there is discontinuity. I think we've had the, the reason the pace of change has accelerated so much is that we've had some major discontinuities in, uh, in technology. And the way I kind of look at it is one is Moore's Law. You know, chips have gotten smaller and smaller to the extent that mm-hmm. we can now have a supercomputer in our pockets, in the smartphone. And uh, that enabled Steve Jobs to create smartphones as a paradigm, and that's 2007. And before that, the other paradigm shift that really changed things was the Internet coming together as a commercial force in, to, in 1994 and, uh, and giving rise to e-commerce and search and all of that. Um, And then there is this whole social media phenomenon, which changed uh, communication completely. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and now we are in the artificial intelligence uh, era. So, these are very interesting phases of technology. Uh, So, tell me where Mm -hmm. your how how this early story bridges to your entrepreneurial journey. What what are the steps that happen in between?
1: So, um, as I Progressed with uh, with technology. Uh, I I guess I fell into consulting, and um, I really didn't do that by design. I was working with some um, some people in the city, uh, technology company. They sold a lot of accounting software, and I was basically, you know, uh, the tech the technologist on the team. Uh, everybody else was sales. And things kind of got a little rough, uh, so I'll date myself again. That was around Black Monday and the, uh, the market crash, and I needed a job. So things at the company weren't going really well, and uh, I needed a job, and the first uh, thing that presented itself was a consulting opportunity. Uh-huh. So I, again, accidentally uh, really fell into consulting, and I really liked it. So, um, I got to work with a lot of really, really smart people, uh, did a lot of work on wall street and, um, I got to, as a consultant, I felt like, um, you know, I, I, I was able to really focus on the technology and not worry too much about, you know, corporate politics and things like that. So I was able to just keep my head down and get some really great work done. So, you know, I really enjoyed that, and um, I know you're an author, and I've I've written a few books on technology. Uh, McGraw-Hill was my publisher, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that, and my first book, I had a co-author, a gentleman by the name of Alex Burson, and Alex was uh, a bit older than me, and he kept saying, George, what, you know, what's next? What do you do next? Do you want to be a consultant forever? And I, I used to jokingly say, "Well, Alex, as long as they pay my billing rate, I'm okay."
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he
1: kept on me a little bit with that. Um, so I, basically, I had two opportunities in front of me. One is I was offered some really nice positions with financial technology, you know, or financial services firms. So Merrill Lynch offered me a managing director position. J.P. Morgan offered me a managing director position, and I looked at that as you know, if I take that type of a role, I really won't be so hands-on in technology anymore. I'll be, you know, they'll be looking for me to, you know, do higher-level things and manage people, and I'm not going to have a lot of fun. And if I don't have a lot of fun, I won't be great at it. So I stuck with the technology, and uh, I said to myself at one point, I founded a company called Enterprise Engineering in, uh, let's see, 95. And I founded that company based on my background in technology and, uh, you know, Wall Street. So uh, I started a consultancy and we basically did, I I call it all things data for Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the beginning of, you know, my entrepreneurial career as opposed to just hands-on technologist.
0: And so that was a consulting a technology consulting firm, enterprise technology consulting firm?
1: It was, and uh, it actually still, it still is. <laughs> so um, company so well. the company did quite well. That's the
0: company that we are talking uh, about today.
1: Well, the company we're talking about today, I built a software business within enterprise engineering. Mm-hmm. I spun that software business out to, uh, almost two years ago. That okay. company is called Ninth Wave. Got it. So ninth wave is the company that we're on.
0: Very interesting because in our methodology, uh, in the methodology that we teach in 1 million by 1 million, we have a track that we have formalized for a long time now, and we have case studies for that track and methodology for that track, which we call bootstrapping using services, which is exactly what you've done. You've built a services business Mm -hmm. and then bootstrapped a product company out of the services business.
1: Well, I, see, I'm a huge believer in that model. Yeah, right? me too. I'm a huge I'm believer, a huge in, that believer in that model. Huge. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you something I ran into, though, right, uh, <laughs> uh, along the way. So I, I, I did bootstrap the company that way. I had a 0.0 W2 for about 18 months. So, you know, I worked around the clock. Um, you know, I would go out. I would consult with my clients. I did billing and while I was building the, you know, building the company. And you know every billing dollar that I was able to generate went into payroll, you know, mm-hmm. to grow the business. And uh, we grew to about uh, so I started with really very little capital, and mm-hmm. I grew from zero to about sixteen million dollars in roughly eighteen months,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: a little bit more than that.
0: Sixteen million and zero to sixteen million.
1: Zero to sixteen. Uh, we were on the. Wow. Uh, the Deloitte and Touche fast 50. How did you uh, and, do that? Uh, Can you
0: double click down into that? What, what were the levers <laughs> of growing that fast?
1: Um, you know, I had, uh, I had done some really, really good work for, uh, wall street firms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had built a, um, I had built a really good reputation as being kind of a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, really kind of beyond that, um, just, I don't want to say visionary because I know a lot of people that are visionaries and they're way smarter than I am. But, um, you know, I had a really good ability to say, okay, here's where you are and here's where you need to go. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: Let's roadmap that and make it happen, right? So I was really good at that. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, trusted me when I would get in the room yeah. if there were problems with systems or they needed to build a new system, you know, for the business they knew I would get it done for them, and they gave us a lot of opportunity. And, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, there were a couple of times there where uh, I remember having to run to the bank, and I had to borrow some money
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> and get
1: to the bank before noon to make payroll. <laughs> so it was a pretty fast growth track. But
0: um, How many people we were, were you doing 16 million with? About 60. 60? Yep. You hired 60 people yeah. in 18 months and delivered $16 million worth of work. Wow. That's yeah, very impressive, yeah, George. Yeah. That's really
1: so it was probably about 20. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, it was fun. I mean, it was probably about 24 months. So we, within 18, we were at about that run rate. Yep. Yeah. You know, so it probably took us two years.
0: To deliver. But, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. You know, we were, uh, I'll never forget, um, this was a really good, you know, and kind of a fun moment, you know, you have these moments that just kind of recharge you and say, Hey, it's worth it. And one of those moments was um, we won, I think it was in year 2000, right? We won uh, this Deloitte and Touche fast 50 and also the fast 500 awards. Yeah. We were the fastest growing firm in the tri-state area. So um, we were fifth overall And the four that were ahead of me were all all public companies and no longer exist.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) So
1: so I thought that was pretty interesting. This is 95 to
0: 97 we're talking?
1: Yeah, so that's 95 to 97. And then we won that award. I think it was like 13,113% growth. Mm, Believe it or not, that number sticks in my head.
0: So then what happens?
1: Well, you know, I never, I had really never set out to, um, again, really in line with your bootstrapping with services, I really didn't set out to build the services company. Mm -hmm. What I set out to build was something that would provide value, you know, to basically all, you know, participants. So obviously my customers, but also my people. And in order to do that, and I think to establish something that really is durable and has value over time, it's not easy, right? So what I did is uh, I had the consulting business running really well. So the next thing I did is I started something that was really complementary. I actually started uh, – I built a learning center in Lower Manhattan. hmm And I had four classrooms there that I built out, uh, as well as a certification testing center. hmm and what I did is um, I taught really high-end, non-commodity-based education. So I wouldn't teach you Microsoft Office and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I would teach you? You know is data architecture or mm-hmm. data replication or data strategy, right? Yeah. Um, so I taught a lot of things that were very, very um, you know hard hard to do, right? Yeah. And uh, you don't have a lot of competition there. And um, we did really well with that business. Uh, It was a a very profitable business, but it was also really a very satisfying business. And and it did a couple of things. You know, one is people that wanted to work for the company, they knew if they came in, they would have that education ability, right? So they could come in they could learn leading-edge technologies. They could learn how to apply them. You know, so it was a really good attractor. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also allowed me to, when you're going out and you're selling to these big companies, you're selling to, you know, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and back in the day Bear Stearns. And, uh, you know, you're selling to really big companies and um, it's hard to get in there, right? But the other thing is, you know, sometimes I would have somebody that wanted to buy my services and you would go and, you know, meet with the purchasing people. And the purchasing people sometimes were pretty arrogant and they would say, well, you know, you're just a body shop, right? You're a consultancy, you're a body shop, I can get this anywhere. And, you know, I think I had good patience with that. So I would say, wait a minute, let me introduce myself and my company again. (laughs) And I would tell them about, you know, the learning center and I would tell them about what made us different. And that enabled me to get on vendors' lists, right? So I could get through procurement. I could get on the vendors' list at Merrill Lynch and Bank of America. Yeah. You know, in Chase Manhattan. Um, so I built that business up, um, and then you know, life wasn't complicated enough. So you know, yet again in line with your uh, your bootstrapping, uh, I saw an opportunity. Um, to build a software offering. So, but and, just
0: a second before you go to your software offering, sure, I want to yeah, understand yeah. how long did you do the the high end uh, data teaching business?
1: Well, you know, very dis- well up until nine eleven. So the um, my learning center was um, on Broad Street in Lower Manhattan. They called it mm. the Information Technology, or um, actually the government. It was Bloomberg and, uh, and Rudin, Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, mm-hmm. They called it the uh, Silicon Alley, actually, was mm-hmm. the nickname, right? Not Silicon sure, Valley, yep. Silicon Alley. So I was in the Information Technology Center, and, uh, you know, on 9-11, uh, we were downtown there, and, you know, um, basically 9-11 put it out of business. I as far as the education went. So if anybody But your Wall Street consulting business
0: still remained, right? The technology consulting yes. business?
1: Yes, yes. So And what kind of numbers still...
0: were you doing at this point in two thousand one?
1: Uh in terms of revenue? Yeah. Um, we were probably uh we were probably in the twenty million dollar range at that point.
0: And how many people?
1: Yeah. Right around there. So I would say we were probably 85 at that point, maybe a little bit okay. more.
0: And everybody uh, in Manhattan? Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of the consultants were with customers. So okay. you would have people that were out on the ground.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: okay. So headquarters was low in Manhattan, but I did have a lot of on-site consultants you know, that were okay. out working with clients.
0: Okay. So 2001, 9-11 happens. Your education business is? Kind of out, out of
1: business. <laughs>
0: what, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: what, uh, what was the next move?
1: Well, um, a little before that, you know, I, I, I'll add in the other dimension. And, uh, you know, this is a model that i I'm very, I'm getting a little, a little ahead of myself here, but it was a model that I very, very strongly believed in. So um, I would say in nine. 19- 1999 maybe late very late 98 uh, I saw an opportunity to build out a uh, software business and um, I had a customer uh, it was JP Morgan Mm -hmm. and they came to me and they said hey George you know we want to connect all our high net worth clients up to their accounts over the internet and you know Dating the technology at that time, you know, you're talking about Hayes modems and Intuit's Quicken product and Microsoft's Money product, right. basically that people wanted to use. And uh, I went out and I did a study for uh, J.P. Morgan. Actually, hired me, and uh, you know, I wrote technical requirements for them. Um, I interviewed the business. I wrote wrote up business requirements for them. You know, And we took these uh, business and technical requirements and turned them into an RFP. And mm-hmm. uh, we sent that out to a number of people. And the responses were really bad. So I sent it to a couple of um, public firms, uh, a couple of the big system integrators, consulting shops, and then one or two privates. And all of, the re- all of the responses were really bad. So you would see things like, uh, well, it's going to cost you $5 million and it's going to take 18 months.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I looked at that and I said, wait a minute, $5 million in 18 months, you don't have a product. You're building something for me.
2: Right.
1: And so why uh, don't you build more... that product? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this was a funny one, right? This, this was a real... Um, a real test for me, right? So what I did is, um, you know, I looked at it and I was like, wow, you know, this is a really interesting opportunity. And so the next thing I did is I wrote a white paper. I said, all right, Mm -hmm. you know, here's how I would solve it. And I wrote up a white paper and it talked about the business problem, the business opportunity, and, you know, the technology required and how I would solve it, right? And the white paper, I was really, really happy with it. So I went out to a bunch of people. I showed them this white paper, and they're like, George, you have to do this. And I said, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: um,
1: So my next step was, um, you know, I really kind of looked at it, and I said, wow, you know, I built a consulting shop, and, you know, it's doing great, and I have this education center, and that's doing great. And I'm finally actually making a little bit of money and paying myself. That's great. So now we're going to go out and we're going to start an enterprise software product. And, you know, it's probably going to take you, you know, a year and a half to really build this thing. Right. You know, and there's a lot of R and D dollars that go into that and there'll be no revenue coming in to offset it. And, uh, you know, how is this a good idea? (laughs) Um, So I took one more step, which was, um, I took a couple of really smart people and I did a proof of concept. So we basically built some technology to, you know, based on the white paper
2: yeah. to
1: make sure that the solution would actually work. And uh, we, put, we did the POC and everybody told me, George, you have to do it, you have to do it, you have to do it. And I, Finally, I said, you know, you're right. We do have to do it. And uh, so I started uh, yet a third business, a third revenue line building software, and um, we actually sold that software quite successfully, um, you know, won a lot of high-profile high clients on Wall Street, so one of my first was J.P. Morgan uh, mm-hmm. and the private bank there, and wow. um, yeah, we, uh, my first client was a company called Online Resources, and they were a public company uh, subsequently acquired by ACI Worldwide. Um, But they were a service provider. Uh, They had a platform, an online banking platform, for smaller banks and credit unions. And I sold them the software for banking and bill pay operations with personal financial management tools. So they were my first uh, paying customer. And we've had probably 700 banks, I think, running on it Mm. uh, in fairly short order. Mm -hmm. So... So now I have this business where, you know, I this is I believe really, really strongly in this business model. I had services, I had a learning center, and I had software. So yep. the way I looked at it, I can sell people the software, I can bring them into the learning center, I can teach them how to use it, I can teach them how to deploy it, right? And
2: yep.
1: if it's a complex engagement, I have my own services business, we can yep. go out and put the consultants out them. in the field. Yep. And, uh, you know, here, here was a lesson I learned. And, you know, um, it's very, very relevant to bootstrapping from services. So the lesson I learned is um, I said, how do we take this business now to the next level? And the answer was to go out and raise some capital. So um, I hired, uh, it was Jeffries back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I hired Jeffries and we put together a, you know, an information memorandum and a package. Mm-hmm. And we went out and started the pitch to pitch the company. And I heard two things from people that were, um, you know, it was very frustrating. So the majority of the people that I pitched to said, we love the software. We hate mm-hmm. the services.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Services is scalable. My it's not common it's reaction from that.
0: VCs, by the way. What's that? Very common reaction from venture capital. I I don't agree with that reaction at all. I think it's a very stupid reaction, but it is, it is out there. It is very common.
1: Somebody on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was so frustrating to me. I can't tell you. I
0: think it's an idiotic, idiotic approach to thinking about business. Utterly idiotic approach.
1: Well, I, I believe so strongly in it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I loved the business. I believed in it. It was working, right? I had all these customers on the software that were phenomenal customers. Yeah. You know, JP Morgan, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, you know, and all, I mean, on and on. Yeah. And um, so the other reaction I would hear is that so one would be, hate the services. It's not scalable. Pass, right? That was one. The other one I heard often was, you know, you really don't have anything. You really don't have a software product. What you have is some technology that you're using to sell more services. And I also found that very fr- frustrating. To this day, I still have people tell me that a services company, it's impossible for a services company to transition and build a software product.
0: It's complete bullshit. If you want, I can give you, you know, 50 <laughs> examples.
2: <laughs> well,
1: case
0: I, I, studies I of companies that are I companies.
1: I agree with you. So, so the funny thing was, you know, um, so I did a little test. Uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll tell you two things, right? Um, one was, you know, there was a venture capitalist that I met with, and their immediate reaction, you know, I had really just kind of walked in a room, and I just started to do my pitch. And uh, there was a gentleman in the back of the room, you know, as I started to do my pitch, he said, you don't have software. You have something you're using to sell more services. And I tried to kind of talk to him and it wasn't working. So I just started to pack up my stuff.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And there there was another gentleman that was a managing member in the front of the room. And he said, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? I said, well, I said, the guy in the back told me, I don't have software, right? He didn't ask Mm -hmm. me what my software does. He didn't ask me who uses it. He didn't ask me what they pay for it. You know, he just says, I don't have software. So if I don't have software, I might as well leave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the the arrogance of these, you know, roughly spreadsheet jockeys who have never built businesses themselves (laughs) is just mind boggling.
1: (laughs) Well, it gets even funnier, right? So I went back to my office and I said, you know what? I'm going to stop banging my head against the wall here. I'm going to spin off, you know, I'm going to take all the software specific slides out of our pitch deck and I'm just going to put them in a new deck and put a new company name on it. Right. So I took that deck and that's exactly what I did. So, you know, and it was a few months later, I called back the same investor, Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, Would you be willing to meet again? And they said, Yeah, you know, yeah, sure, come on in. So I went in with the same exact software. <laughs> I just took the <laughs> software specific slides out, I left the room with a term sheet. <laughs>
0: Doesn't, same surprise exact people. Me. Doesn't surprise Doesn't surprise me. Same exact but, people, but it was... I
1: left with a term sheet.
0: <laughs> You, you put Ninth Wave in a separate company, though? It was a separate entity?
1: Yeah, I did. So, you know, so the funny thing is, you know, fa- kind of fast forwarding a bit now and, and coming into more recent times, um, you know, in uh, really kind of late, you know, mid 2018, I looked at the business and I said, you know, there is a, um, a real shift coming, you know, in terms of. Uh, financial data sharing and fintech and the whole you know fintech ecosystem, and um, I believe that we're very well positioned to take advantage of that shift. Mm-hmm. And you know how do we best do it? So I decided I would take another swing at. Uh, I actually never closed an investment. So um, oh, so you when you, you got know, that
0: I, term sheet, you did not take the money.
1: I didn't take the money.
0: Good. No. That's for you.
1: Yeah. So, you didn't um. Take the money. I'm so very glad I didn't when when did that
0: episode outside. happen of when you uh, had to do this uh, or you did this uh, repackaging? When was that?
1: Mm-hmm. So you know, when I did that repackaging back then, that was probably oh one.
0: Oh one. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So, 2001 uh, to 2018, you ran as a bootstrap company. How far did you get to I between did. your services, training, um, and software?
1: So, what I did is, uh, you know, I I kind of, you know, after we survived, uh, you know, dot-com implosion, uh, followed by 9-11, you know, I really kind of, and then followed by 8 for that matter, mm-hmm. right? You know, I yeah. really kind of said, you know what, I'm going to run this business the way that... You know, I want to run it for, you know, for me, for my customers, for my employees, right?
0: Yep. Forget And <laughs>
1: uh Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, we, so we kind of settled into a really nice groove and we were running close to, you know, about $30 million. And um, I only had the software business and I had the services, uh, you know, businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, going through going on from there, uh, you know, again, we had built a really nice software business and, you know, I had a ton of great clients. Um, so when I looked at the, at the market opportunity in front of us, I said, you know, if I'm really going to capitalize on this market opportunity, I I will need more. You know, I need more capital. I need more expertise, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so I said, let's, take a look at raising some money again. You know, let's take a look at some strategic options. Um, So I went out in 2018 Mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of a small set of companies, you know, know, strategic, some venture. And uh, I said, let me see what I hear. You know, let me see what people tell me. And a lot of people passed again right away. So they looked at it and they said, ah, too much services, don't like it. Mm-hmm. And and they would pass. Or we're allergic to services, don't like it. And they would pass. So again, you know, I kind of went back to the office and I said, okay, well, you know, the market is telling me what to do here. So let's officially spin this software business out into its mm-hmm. own entity.
0: And finance it. And,
1: um, and finance it. And uh, that was uh, actually a tremendous amount of fun and a tremendous amount of hard work, as you might imagine. But, you know, I went out to Silicon Valley and um, I hired uh, a valley-based uh, branding and marketing company um, mm-hmm. who, God, I love them. They were so good. A um, company called 1185 Design. And, uh, yeah, I know Peg them. Burke. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Peggy, I have so much respect for her. I, I she is a wonderful woman, and uh I had they a lot of fun with work. her. I've
0: heard before
1: Very, very impressive. I was so happy with her, and I had so much fun with her. you know mm-hmm. she was so much fun to work with. Uh, I actually just talked to her a few weeks back, but um so I hired eleven eighty five and uh you know we went through we hired um catchword. you ever hear of catchword? No. So so Catchword is a naming company.
0: Ah, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> and uh, I never thought I would hire a naming company. but um, <laughs> So I hired Catchword to find a name for the business. And uh, that was also a very, very interesting process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so as I went through that, they, they interviewed me. They asked me about, you know, 20 words that you would want associated with the company and, you know, they, they asked a bunch of very interesting questions and then based on the answers to those questions, they, I believe they must have some software that just spits out name categories and, uh, you know, one of the names they spit out was Ninth Wave mm. and, um, you know, I first heard it and I really, really liked it and then, yep. you know, there were some other things. It was, you know, it was a lot of, I really liked the name and, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, open space there, right? So if you, um, if you Googled, you know, if you searched ninth wave, you found a, ta- uh, a tattoo shop in New Jersey, you found a Russian painting. That's a, uh, a great painting actually. And then you found a heavy metal rock band in, I believe, Scotland. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: so there wasn't a lot out there, right? Um you know, and you have to get the URL and and all that. Um, but I also like this symbology, which is, uh, they talk about wave sets and a certain wave set where the ninth wave is the largest, right? Each wave is consecutively larger. The ninth wave is the largest and then it resets Mm -hmm. itself. So the ninth wave Mm -hmm. comes along, washes everything away, and then the cycle starts again. So I liked that a lot. And, uh, So we did it, uh, believe it or not, we did it in probably two and a half, maybe three months. So Uh um, what I I did to make sure that we would meet our dates is I went out and I spent um, a whole bunch of money on uh, Finnovate in New York. Uh, Uh That was, and that Finnovate show, uh, you know, I had a demo slot and I had a booth on the floor, so I had to come up with a name, I had to come up with a logo, I didn't have any of that. So when we first signed up, it was like placeholder. company mm-hmm. X. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I knew if I set that kind of a deadline, we would have to get the work done. Yeah. Um, and it worked, you know, so always in, a- <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, burn the boats as they say. And, um, you know, we, um, we launched at, uh, at the show in 2018 and uh, officially cl- completed the spin off in uh, April of 2019 and closed mm-hmm. the funding round uh, right around that time as well.
0: Whom did and, you raise uh, money from? Uh,
1: a company called Sororis Private Equity.
0: Okay. And uh, how, hmm. how much revenue was the software business generating when you brought this firm in? Uh,
1: you know, I don't want to get that wrong, so I'd rather not say that one. Okay. If, if you don't mind, yeah. Just a ballpark?
0: Are we talking tens of millions? Are we talking...
1: No, no. No. Smaller. Mm. Smaller, yeah.
0: Okay. All right. But we had,
1: um, you know, the key there was uh, also when we spun that business out, um we had just started to convert from your conventional software license agreement type model, yeah, to a SaaS based recurring revenue model.
0: Right. So that transition. So takes a lot time. of
1: our that, well, that transition takes time, and there's a lot of pain that you need to go through there with cash flow yes. and yes. you know revenue recognition and all that. You know. Right. So we went through that. Um, you know, we had a lot of nice customers, but the bulk of the revenue. You know, well, I shouldn't say the bulk of the revenue, but uh, the model was really software license agreement, software maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a really good job, I think, of transitioning, you know, in 2017 and 18. And uh, we continue to do that. So we still have some so- some customers that are um, on software maintenance, but uh, we've transitioned a lot of them to, you know, to that uh, SaaS-based revenue model.
0: Mm, okay. Interesting, and um, you've kept the services business though on the side as well.
1: Yeah, the services company is uh, it's run by a separate management team. So I, mm-hmm. I spend 100% of my time on Ninth Wave, mm-hmm. and um, that was an interesting process too because you know I went to. Um, I had a software business operating under enterprise engineering, and now, hey, I'm going to create a brand new entity, right? And yeah. when no, I create no, that brand is, new entity,
0: I, I've seen this movie yeah. many, many, many times before, so sure. I know yeah. exactly how this operates. All yeah. of these steps of transition, and and you know, yeah, it's a bit cumbersome. It it takes some time, but but they work if you do it right and if you do it diligently. And yeah, it takes a bit of time, but so what?
1: You're right, and and it's you know, I'm really happy with the. Uh, you know, I'm very, very happy with the, our products. Um, very happy with the customers, the reception, you know, uh, I've seen a real transition in the business, uh, especially over the last year. So you start something new, people don't know really what it is, and you know what I have now is there's a lot of unsolicited inbound traffic that you didn't have in the beginning, and there's a lot of people that actually call, you know, in the beginning, we paid you know some headhunters. Uh, to go out and find people and that doesn't happen anymore. Now people find us, Mm -hmm. you know, so having that kind of a pivot is, you know, I think it's a real testament to what you're doing and your value proposition. So when you have people calling you saying, hey, I really love what you're doing, you know, do you think there's an opportunity for me? Mm -hmm. Or you have customers saying, you know, I heard that, you know, you did this for, you know, whatever company. And, uh, you know, we'd like to talk to you about that. So, George, you know, it's very... um, I
0: want to point you to something that I wrote recently um, that you may find interesting in this context. Um, as you are thinking about your product roadmap, this actually may make a lot of sense for
1: you. Sure, thank you.
0: So uh, if you go to our website, one 1M by one mcom and go to our blog, you will see, if you do a search on Startup Ideas, you will see a post called Eight
2: Post-COVID
0: Startup Ideas. Ah. And in there, there's one piece called Managing Philanthropy in the Post-COVID World, something like that. Got it. And what I have done in that, so I was, I was kind of brainstorming in the context of COVID. I was like, a lot of people were asking for startup ideas, what can, what are the trends, et cetera. And I started kind of putting my thoughts together um, with respect to the COVID discontinuity and proposing, you know, ideas. And, and actually, somebody who was a member of the One Million by One Million program earlier on has just sold his company and wants to start, doing another company, and he's working on one of my ideas right now. So we, we, he's back in the program, and we're collaborating. It's been great fun. But this one, this managing philanthropy one, is very interesting to me because uh, we have a partner, One Million by One Million has a partner, a company called Blackboard, that is one of the leaders in software as a service for managing philanthropy. You know, they cater to foundations and um, uh you know, so on and so forth, trusts and foundations and so forth. And my thought was, you know, think thinking about it from my own point of view, you know, my bank is Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley yep. has yep. all these functions like donor-advised funds and so on and so forth. So what I would love to do is put some money in the – in a I mean, money that I have in the donor-advised fund, I want to be able to click – and say, oh, you know, he, I want to, I want to fund 50 chamber music organizations in, you know, small amounts of money. But you know, I, I want to support these organizations. There is no one-click way of doing any of that from a donor-advised fund kind of console. I would love to mm. hear what you think about something like this being part of your software offering.
1: Well, thank you for asking that. I'll uh, I'll definitely put. A bit, I know Morgan Stanley actually quite well, and I know the space fairly well. So, so you
0: know, uh, well, take a look at it, and and uh, you know, reach out to me if you would like to, um, you know, yeah, see if you want to do something that. with it. Yeah. But uh, I I think this is the right dot to connect. That's why I connected this dot just now.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate that. I'll dig in but,
0: there. Well, I, I love your story. I mean, philosophically, I'm very much in agreement with how you have played your cards, and um, and I, I I fully recognize the utter stupidity of how the industry operates. <laughs> <laughs> so well, nice to meet you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the time. It's it's great meeting you as well.
0: Take care. Bye, George.
1: Uh huh. All right. Bye.
0: Bye.